had a busy week this week. Um, we have been uh, all over the shop this week with things happening. As a matter of fact, I think we've got another meeting to get to, uh, another couple of meetings after church today, and then hopefully things will settle down a little bit, and we've got a few more meetings coming up next week. But it's that run into Christmas where it gets really, really busy, and there's a lot of things uh, happening. And I've got some good news that I want to share with you. And it's, it's, it's not as good as the good news of Jesus, that, that a baby was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, and was, was, uh, the angels came and they said, joy to the world, for the Saviour has come. It's not as good as that, but it's still pretty good news that I want to share with you this morning. Before I get to that, if you've got a Bible there, can you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12 real quick? Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I just want to throw a couple of thoughts at you first, and then I'll... Then I'll get into uh, uh, what I think you will, you will find good news. Genesis 12, 1 and 2 says this, God, the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. We go back in history, uh, we see that the Jewish nation, the Jewish race, uh, came through. Everyone ever sung that song at kindergarten or uh, at kids' church? You know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. We are, we are through the, the open door of Jesus Christ where the non-Jews were able to uh, come into relationship with the God who had committed himself to the Jewish people. We are Gentiles by nature, grafted in, the Bible teaches us. <laughs> but this is the beginning of the process for Abraham, where God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want to do something wonderful through you. I want to do something amazing through you. And we all know the story of Abraham. God comes to him here, and he says, I want you to get out of the land where you are, and I want you to go somewhere. Notice, God doesn't tell him where he's going to go. God just says, I want you to pack up your bags, grab your family, put the kids in the back of the car and just drive that way. And Abraham doesn't know where he's going at this stage. It tells us in Hebrews uh, that, that, that uh, Abraham, by faith, headed off towards a country that he didn't even know where he was going to. So Abraham had no idea where he was going. He just knew that God had said, get up and go. Get up and leave. Abraham only knew what God didn't want him to do. He didn't know what God did want him to do. Notice that? God didn't tell him, I want you to go here. All Abraham knew was this. I don't know where I'm meant to go. I just know where I'm not meant to be, and that is right here. I just know that I shouldn't be where I am, so I'm going to have to go. Where I am going, I don't know. Why I'm going there, I don't really fully understand it. All I know is that I can't be where I am, therefore I need to head in a particular direction. And go. And so, on the basis of not knowing what he was to do, but simply knowing what he was not meant to do, Abraham packed up his family and he begins this journey. You know, one thing I found in my walk with God and in this journey of faith, we've been talking uh, the last three or four weeks about taking possession of that which God has given to us, that we God gives us promises. He speaks to us individually, uh, corporately, and so on, and says, I've got this for you. But we need to learn how to take possession of that. It's one thing for me to have a gift here and to hold this up and to say to my daughter, this is a gift that's yours. But 
you've got to come and take it. Until you take it out of my hand, it's just simply a gift on offer. You've got to do something to get a hold of that. You've got to get out of your chair, come to me and grab a hold of that. And we've been talking about this process of taking possession. When I look back at Abraham's journey and you look at what Abraham had presented before him, simply the simple fact that he knew what he was not meant to do. He knew where he wasn't meant to be. Didn't know where he was going to end up. Had no idea when he packed everything up and he took off. He just simply had this thing, this, this word from God that said, you just need to go because you're not meant to be in this particular place right now. And here's one thing I see from Genesis through to Revelation in the Bible, every time I pick it up and every time I read it. And every time I look back at my own journey with God and I reflect on any time that, that I've had to step out in faith, trust God and do something, and here's what it is. It's that, number one, you'll never see the second step if you don't take the first. you never see the second step if you do not take the first. You know, there are so many miraculous things in the Bible that have happened. If one particular thing happens, none of them happen. You know what that thing is? The first step. All it takes is for somebody to not do what they initially had to do. For somebody to not take the first step and all of these stories dissipate and are gone. We don't have them. And you think about your own life. The times that God has come to you and challenged you and spoken to you. To miss out on the blessing of God. To not receive everything God has for you takes one thing on your behalf. And that is, don't take the first step. All you have to do is simply not take... The first step. The scary thing about that first step is we don't usually know what the second step's going to look like. Uh, I used to take a lot of teams to the Solomon Islands uh, for outreach uh, young kids and take them over there and we'd have cultural experiences and, and go into village churches and so on. I, I took Jordan. Uh, I think Jordan came with me once, one year to the Solomon Islands. I took Caleb. Actually, Jordan fell out of the back of a ute one time in the Solomon Islands. That was a bit of a trip. Um, but we would go to the islands, and when you get out on the, this particular island we did a lot of ministry on called the Island of Malaita, there's, no, uh, there's a little bit of electricity right down in the capital of Malaita, but where we would go up in the hills, there's no electricity, no power. So at night time, the, the village elders and that would get us together, and they would say, right, we're going five kilometres through these jungle tracks to go and minister in this little village. And so we would go, and at night time, nobody had torches, so all we had were these kerosene lamps. Ever, anyone ever use a kerosene lamp? And you hold a kerosene lamp out in front of you and it gives you about two, three metres. It's pitch black. There's a canopy there. You haven't got stars. And so you're holding up this lamp and you've got about two, three metres in front of you. If you want to see the next metre, what have you got to do? You've got to take another step. If you don't take another step, you'll never see beyond where that kerosene lamp lets you see. You'll never see beyond. Um, I remember one particular time I went over there and they had no kerosene. So what the islanders did is they got fireflies and they would stick them in their hair. <laughs> And they would walk along and you would just see like these little Christmas tree afros in front of you. You'd just follow the afro all the way down to the villages and so on. But faith can be a bit like that. That first step, it's like the, the, God comes to us and he holds a kerosene lamp out and he says, here's what I've got for you. Here's what I want you to do. But if you don't take the first step, you never get to see the second. You never get to see the third. And you never end up where you're meant to be. There's always got to be a first step. You know, we've all heard that saying, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a step. Everyone heard that? That old Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a step. And then there's the Western version of that. A journey of a thousand miles begins by getting in your car, driving to an airport, buying a plane ticket and jumping on a plane. Save yourself a lot of time and you'll get there quicker. You'll never see the second step if you don't take the first step. Nobody sees change by standing in the same place and doing the same things. Is that right? 
Matter of fact, there's that old definition of insanity. What is it? It's, it's doing the same things and expecting a different result. Is that how it goes? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Nobody sees change by staying in the same place and doing the same things. In fact, one definition of insanity is exactly what I just said, doing the same thing but expecting a different result. Proverbs 16.9 says this. It says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalm 37.23 says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Let me put something to you. Let me give you something to think about. Intentions get you nowhere in life. Actions get you somewhere. Intentions will get you nowhere in life. You can have all the greatest intentions in the world of following after God. You can have the greatest intentions of committing yourself to him. You can have the greatest intentions of getting fit. You can have the greatest intentions of, of getting an A in that exam. You can have the greatest intentions of achieving and doing and being. But intentions alone will get you nowhere in life. You will only begin to make progress when you take steps. When you start to take some steps to head in the direction that you believe you need to go. It's interesting that Proverbs and Psalms both talk about a man's heart plans his ways. In other words, man comes up with intentions and ideas. And God sits back and he allows us to dream and plan and think and have intentions and ideas. But notice, God doesn't get involved until we take a step. God's involvement in our life comes to play when we begin to move. You look at the Bible and you read the times that God would require of somebody to do something. He would speak to them. When they began to move, God would be attracted to activity and action, not simply good intentions. And when it comes to faith, when it comes to us doing what God's called us to do, it's one thing to know what God is saying to us. It's another thing to take that initial step and start heading in that direction. But when we take that step and we're heading that direction, the Bible is very clear that God directs a man's steps. He doesn't direct his intentions. He directs his steps. Steps speak of activity. They speak of action. And when we actively begin to step into the direction that God has for our life, begin to step into the direction of being successful, of being better, of achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve with your life, when we begin that movement in that direction, that's when God says, you can come up with all the plans and ideas you want and I'll let you do that. But once you take the first step, I'm going to start to guide and I'm going to start to direct your steps because I'm attracted to and drawn to activity. We can make our plans. But God says, once you take the first step, that's when I will really get involved and I'll start directing and I'll start moving you in the direction that I want you to go. Intentions get you nowhere. Actions can get you anywhere. And God deals in the realm of our actions, not in the realm of our intentions. How many of you know that we have been looking for a place for Arise Church? We know. We're a little bit like Abraham in the sense that we didn't know where we were meant to go. We just knew that we weren't meant to be here. I remember when we first took on the church, how one of the first things we knew when we walked into the church the first few Sundays, the very first Sunday we came here, even before we got to the church, we felt like God spoke to us and said, took us down a certain path and a direction and said, start looking out straight away. We knew the very first Sunday we stood here 
And Jim and Venice came and prayed over us and, and announced that we had passed this. We knew before we even walked in here that we were not meant to be here for long. We knew that we were a little bit like Abraham. I don't know where we're meant to go, but I do know this. We're not meant to be here. So let's start moving. And as we start to move, let's trust that God will then begin to direct our steps. The second thing about faith and action is this. Number one, God directs our steps, not just our intention. Secondly, God's resources are always waiting on the other side of action. Do you ever notice that with God? Sometimes we want to sit back and we want God to give us everything first before we step into that which God is saying. You know why we want that? Because we don't want to exercise faith. We want everything to be laid out before us everything to be presented to us. We want to be so confident that by the time we do take a step, it doesn't require faith because everything is lined up. I don't need faith now. Can you imagine Peter when Jesus was walking on the water towards him and, and they're all looking, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And Peter cries out and says, uh, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus goes, sweet Pete, come. Not probably in those words, but Aramaic, that's the translation, I think. Sweet Pete, let's go. And so Peter gets out. Now let's imagine that Pete said, if it's really you, Lord, then call me to come. And he says, sweet Pete, let's go. And Pete goes, excellent. Now can you also make a flock of geese go over the boat? Oh, excellent. Now can you make a mullet jump and land in the bow? Oh, excellent. Now can you make the breeze blow from... In other words, can you just do a whole bunch of things and as a last one, can you make a bridge go right across to you so I don't get my feet wet? That's basically what he's saying. Give me so much stuff so that at the end of the day, when I do step out, I don't even need faith because I'm so incredibly confident. But when God takes us on a journey, God wants us to exercise faith. Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. God deals in the realm of faith. And faith's not an abstract, weird thing. We exercise faith every day. None of you came in here and put a weight and a balance on that chair and make sure it wasn't going to collapse today. No, I noticed nobody went up the back there to those chocolate biscuits, put them under a microscope to make sure there were no amoebas, no bugs. I noticed you didn't stick it in a Bunsen burner your tea bag and just make sure that you weren't going to get... You, you exercised faith in a tea bag and a chocolate biscuit. You exercised faith in a chair when you sat down. Faith is not an abstract, weird thing. We exercise faith all the time. We're always trusting somebody or something. It's just about trusting God. When he puts on the label and goes, you know, here's the ingredients. Here's what's, here's, here's what's good for you. Here's what I want you to do and here's the direction I want you to take. We need to learn to trust God. God said, I'll show you where to go to Abraham. And he said, I'll supply everything you need to do that which you need to do. And you're going to be a blessing to those around you. But none of it would have happened if Abraham didn't take his first step. None of it would have happened for Abraham if he didn't take his first step. The end result was, you're going to be a blessing. That was the end result of what God said to him. He said, the end result of this whole process is that you, Abraham, are going to be a blessing to others. That's the end result. You are going to be blessing to other people. All of it doesn't happen if Abraham does one thing. He just simply doesn't take the first step. In other words, God is moving you to the place of maximum blessing. He's moving you to a place of provision. He's moving you to a place of peace, authority, resource, etc. Everything that is there for the journey, everything that God has for you to fulfill, to be, to do, to succeed, to whatever, is on the other side of that first step. But it's frightening. 
But that's faith. God wants us to take that first step. And the third thing we see in Abraham's story there, and I've just touched on it, is that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's not meant to stop with us. We're meant to be blessed of God so that we can bless others. How many of you know that your primary reward is where moth and rust does not destroy? How many of you know that we could spend our whole life building a kingdom down here on earth, only to one day have it taken like that? If not by the tax man, if not by the banks, if not by natural disaster, if not by uh, uh, illegal means, then maybe by the very fact that you run out of breath. Go like that. Yet how many of us are so focused on, on getting a reward down here in heaven for our labours, a reward, sorry, down here on earth for our efforts, for our labours, for what we do. We're so focused on this natural world, this natural realm. It's interesting. We'll do it one time next year. I want to want to spend a few weeks and, and have a look at the prayers of the New Testament. Go and look through uh, in the letters that Paul wrote and he, he opens them up with a prayer. You know, when you go through those prayers, you'll see very, very few indications or inclinations of anywhere there where he prays for physical material blessing upon you. He prays for spiritual blessing. He prays that your understanding would be enlightened. He prays that you'd understand God more. He prays the eyes of your heart would be opened. He prays that you'd, 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 you'd be a blessing to other people. There's so much more to life than this natural world. And we are blessed to be a blessing. This is what God said to Abraham. He came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I don't want you here. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. You just know where you're not meant to be. On the basis of knowing where he wasn't meant to be, Abraham had to make a choice. Do I disobey and stay or do I take that first step in a direction that I don't even know if it's the right one? God says, that's okay because I'll direct your steps. You take the step and I'll, I'll direct you as time goes on. So Abraham takes that first step. After Abraham takes that step, God says this, get out of here, go. And then he says, I'll be with you. And God says, I'll bless you. As you take that first step and you go out, God says, I will bless you. But understand this, Abraham, the blessing I'm pouring out upon you is not to stop with you. I'm blessing you. You're being obedient to me. Your obedience is opening a channel of blessing whereby I can pour blessing out upon you because I need you to pour it out on others. And that's the journey of our Christian faith. That's the journey of our life. And guess what? That is the journey of Arise Church. On Monday of last week, I had this urge within myself that I had to contact the real estate. Uh, we all know the building that we've been looking at. Can we put a picture of the one we've been looking at up there? The <laughs> we've been looking at this building now for a while, about 15, 16 months ago when we first took on the church. I told you the story, me and Jackie drove uh, up down, down the road here and instead of coming to church here, we just, I was driving and I just had this urge, you need to turn left. I turned left and we stood uh, near here and we, we've been praying ever since the very first Sunday we came and we just knew, God said, just go there. We didn't know why. We, we weren't even looking at this building, I was looking at one across the road. And after about three months of going up there every Sunday and then during the week if I had spare time, I'd drive up and I'd just park my car there and go, God, I just know this is the right spot. I don't know anything more than this is just the right spot. And one day God said, turn around. I turned around and bang, there's this brand spanking new building that's, that's there. So then I go, oh, God, that's the place. And we've been praying and we've been believing God and we've, we've been tempted to look in other places. We've been tempted to go to places where it's cheaper, where we can get bigger places for less money, all sorts. But, but for whatever reason, God has kept saying, no, 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 stay the course, stay the course. This is your place. This is your place. So we've been on this journey now for about a year and a half believing God and we've shared with you guys and we've, we've looked at it together and, and so on. So on Monday, I felt 
impressed of God to, to uh, submit to the real estate what's called a lease proposal. It's not, we haven't signed a lease, but a lease proposal. And so the real estate sent me one. I filled it out. I sent the lease proposal off. And I got an email back within five minutes from the real estate agent going, thank you, I'll forward it on, I'll let the owners know that you're, you've got some serious interest in this property. Within five minutes, my phone goes off. I pick up my phone, I say, hello. And they said, hi, is this Alan Kirchin? <coughs> I said, yes, it is. And they said, are you with the Rise Church? I said, yes, I am. And they said, we are the owners of this complex here at Oliver Avenue. We just want to let you know that we're Christians and we would like to have a conversation with you. When can you come and see us? I said, when can you see us? And it uh, turned out that this was on Monday. So I said, look, Tuesday we can come. So Tuesday at uh, 6 o'clock, me and Jackie drove up to their place where they live. And we'd never met these people before. We walked in, we sat down. They got a great big fruit platter and put it down on the table in front of us. And we had some, some uh, fruit and coffee and tea. And they dove straight in the deep end, straight away. They looked at me and they said, so tell me, tell me about your conversion with Jesus. As you do when you've never met anyone before, it's the first thing you ask them. I do it all the time. So anyway, so I sat there and I shared my journey with God and then they asked us about how we got together and they asked us a bit about our background and we shared about YWAM and missions. And then they, they asked, so why Ganelaba? Like, why, why do you have to have your church in Ganelaba? Why has it got to be there? So, well, this is why. I've got no other reason to give you other than God said. I've got nothing else. But God, for whatever reason, won't let us look elsewhere. He wants us in Ganelaba. Right out. And then I shared the story about how we've been going up for ages and we've been looking. But I said, to start with, we were looking at this building over here and thinking maybe that's the one, God. And then all of a sudden, God says, turn around and we see this one. We go, oh, no, that's the one. And they start laughing and they go, well, the one you're looking at in the first place is ours as well. But anyway. Um, <coughs> and then they said, look, the guy that's in there, he wants to get out of his lease. Would you, do you want to? Just no, no, look, it's great. But no, that's the one that we feel that God's in. They say, yep, no, no worries. And, and they eventually said, yep, no, we feel like that's the one that you should be pursuing, blah, blah, blah. So we had a bit of a chat. So then they said, after about an hour and a half, they said, let us share a little story with you. About two years ago, three years, two and a half years ago, when the building was erected, he said, I uh, have about six people working for me and they must be salaried. And he said, I had a patch of time where I just had no work on. And I thought, rather than just have them sitting around doing nothing, I said, let's go up, up here and let's erect a shed on this property. He said, normally we would just erect a tin, you know, big aluminium shed. But he said, for whatever reason, we ended up erecting this really nice one. And then we did these really nice, you know, things at the front there. And then he said, I had a painter working with us and the painter thought, it would be really nice, why don't we paint it? You know, he said, we never do this, but they painted the nice colour here and they got another one on the other side that's got orange on it and stuff. And so they painted it. When they finished the building, one of their workers walked, went up to them and said, well, there's another one to add to your portfolio as they packed up their gear and finished the day's work. They said, when that gentleman said that to us, we felt convicted in our heart. And as a husband and wife, they started a conversation with each other and said, is this what our life is about? Are we just here building a portfolio for ourselves and building up a kingdom and money and so on? And they said, this is not what we, what we want to do with our life. So they went to the building and they stood in front of it and they prayed over the building and they said, Lord, we want to dedicate this building to you. We don't know what's going to happen with it. We don't know who's going to rent it. But whatever happens, whatever income we get from this premise, we want to make sure that that income does not go into our pockets, but every cent from that building is going to go to, to, uh, to Mercy Ministries and back into building the kingdom of God. And we're just sitting there going, no way. You're kidding me, you know? But another part of you is going, yep, yeah, of course. I knew this was going to happen. 
I can't describe it. It's not arrogance, but there's a part inside of me that felt like, no, I, I knew this was going to happen. So they said, rightio, well, how do we go from here? Here's what we want to do. We think that that's just not going to be big enough for your church. We think you're going to grow. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you... Uh, you got a picture there, Luke? We're going to give you the whole thing. Originally, they were going to put a wall down the middle and lease us this amount. And they said, no, no, we forget the wall. We want to give you that whole thing. We're still only going to charge you the rent you were going to be paying for half. And just to let you know as a church, all the money that you pay uh, in, in, in the leasing of that building, I want you to know all of that money, every cent of that money is going to go back into building the kingdom of God. I was speechless. I don't, I, I didn't, we didn't know what to say. We didn't know where to go with that other than to sit there with them and pray and say, God, this is flipping amazing. This is the kind of thing that I would expect to read in a book that happened to somebody else, maybe in some big city somewhere in America or some other part of the world or whatever. But here we are sitting in the middle of a miracle going, God, this is just too bizarre. And we were speechless and incredibly, incredibly humbled. What I want us to do now is I just want us to take communion together. Can we, can we pass out the communion stuff? <laughs> Three real quick things I want to share with you. First of all, who's excited about that? I, I consider myself a bit of a visionary person that, 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 that has a bit of a faith DNA. My experience with Youth with a Mission has taught me to believe God for way more than what I can see, to expect God to do wonderful, amazing, abundant things. But I must tell you, I wasn't prepared for that conversation. I was not prepared for it. One part of me, the spirit part of me, the faith part of me was just sitting there the whole time going, yep, I knew this was going to happen. I've got no doubt this was going to happen. Then the human part of me was just doing cartwheels and backflips and head spins and going, this is just unbelievable, Ellen. This doesn't, this stuff doesn't, you know what I thought? My initial thought was this stuff doesn't happen to people like me. That was my first thought. I want you to hold your communion. Please don't, don't take it. I want us to take it together. Now when we take communion, we remember what Christ has done for us. And I think what God has done for us is an amazing thing in this process. We've still got some steps to go through. We're still working out the nitty-gritty and how it's all going to work. But they're so for us and what we're doing that um, they even told me where the hidden key was. They said, anytime you want to go in there, there's a hidden key. Stick your hand behind this wire up that chute and around the corners. You can go in whenever you want. They emailed me on the weekend and said, as soon as you want to go in and start looking and people want to see it or you want to uh, start measuring or doing whatever it is that you want to do, he said, just let us know. We've got a key. We're ready to give you a key so you can get on in there and so on. Um, start your planning. Start your scheming. Lovely, lovely, lovely couple. Please don't ask me who they are because they have asked to remain anonymous and we will respect that and we'll keep it that way. Um, but after we'd finished spending some time with them and we were driving down the hill, here's what happened. And <laughs> it all of a sudden became kind of real to me. Head was spinning and we left and we're driving down the hill and all of a sudden the penny dropped. Wow, we've just been a part of something pretty phenomenal. My first thought was I turned to Jackie and I said, you know what, Jackie, I actually feel like, God, you've got the wrong people. I, I, I did. And I wasn't being worm pride or anything. I literally was so incredibly humbled 
to be able to be a part of something like that. Val on the way home, I said to Jackie, I think God's got the wrong people. The wrong, you know, I don't. This is just too much. Um, but a few other thoughts ran through my head on the way down too as I mull on that. And I just want to throw some, these, these last few thoughts at you. A little bit different service today because we wanted to share uh, what's happened this week. But um, the enormity of this whole process began to strike me as we were coming down. I just want to leave you with three thoughts before we take communion. Number one, God began this process. INC as a movement did not begin this process. No disrespect intended. Pastor Jim and Venice did not begin this process. No disrespect intended. Me and Jackie did not begin this process. No disrespect intended. Especially for my wife, I've got to go home with her. God began this process. Even before, even before we had our first meeting here as Arise Church, God was behind the scenes speaking to a couple, creating an environment where they would build a building, where they would want to dedicate that building to God. And the whole time, God is behind the scenes going, you have no idea what you're doing, and you guys have no idea what you're doing, and eventually your two paths are going to cross, and I'm going to do what I want to do through this whole process. God is the one that has instigated this process. It wasn't started by man. God's desire to bless the nations didn't start with Abraham. It goes right back to the book of Genesis. You see in the beginning, God says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. He wanted to bless the world through his chosen people right back in the garden. Things got skewed with. So then he got to Abraham and reinstigated again. But it wasn't started with Abraham. The idea started back in the garden of Eden. And the process of what we're talking about here today didn't just start when we had an idea, let's plant a church, let's start it. It didn't even start when, when we thought, let's, we, we can't be here, let's find another building. God instigated this thing. God knew what was going on and God has been behind the scenes the whole time. That is amazing. That's wild. When I try to get my finite human brain around the fact that we have just been like little pawns on a checkerboard thinking how great and wonderful are we, look at what we're achieving, what we're doing, God's going, you ain't got no idea. You, I'll let you believe that. You just think whatever and I'll just move things around and I'll get things in the place that I want to. Because God directs steps. God directs steps, action and activity. The second thought is that God has brought us all together for such a time as this. I want you to have a think about how you found your way here to Arise Church. Think about how you ended up here. Maybe you were disgruntled with this or maybe you were sitting at home and thought, I've got to get back into fellowship. Or maybe you thought this, or, or maybe this, or maybe that. Or, you know what, as I was driving down that hill, it, 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 the thought struck me that the way I think I ended up here is probably wrong. If I could see it from God's perspective how I ended up here, his perspective and his way would be right. How we ended up here, how each of us ended up in this place, was because God brought us to this place. God's got us here for a reason. God's got us together for a reason. God's got us together for a purpose. I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly humbled to even be a part of this. Who knows what may happen down the track? Who knows uh, when our kids grow up and, 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 and what our kids could be doing in, in the community, in the nations? That, who know? I don't know. My, 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 my brain runs off in a thousand different tangents if I let it. So I try it every now and then, rein it in, just to bring it back to the real world here. But um, just to know that we're a part of something that God is doing. So God began this process. Secondly, God's brought us all together for such a time as this. And thirdly, because God began this and because God's brought us all together, I want you to start to think about this. All the faith, the energy, the prayer, the resources that we need 
to achieve the goal and to get to the place that we need to is here. Okay? It's here. I want you to be thinking and I want you to be praying. Uh, firstly, be in gratitude at what God has done. I hope there's a sense of, of uh, respect that this is not just some idea that we have. It's not just some human thing that will make life easier. If we can just get into that building, it'll just make church easier. We won't have to be setting up every day. Or, you know, there, there'll be benefits and things like that, but you know what? There's so much more that God wants to do. That's a, a lot of behind-the-scenes work that God's been doing for a lot of years, and I don't think it's just to make church easier for us to run on a Sunday. Okay? Let's have a sense of awe and respect about what we're about to walk into. But I also want us to be praying and asking God, okay, God, I'm, I'm a part of this. I'm here for such a time as this. What's my role in that? You know, we're going to have to fit that place out. We're going to have to do some things in order to, for council to approve it and pass it and us to be able to get in there and start having church for uh, uh, Daniel and Ruth and the young people to have a, a place to meet for youth, uh, to be able to run some of the things that we do, our courses, to be able to launch out into the community and do some of the things that we would love to do in this area. Um, we're going to have to uh, spend some energy in that building, doing some stuff, maybe sacrificing some time, some, some evening, weekends, whatever. We're going to have to pour finance into that, okay? We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to own this. We're going to uh, uh, ask God, what, what is your contribution? What can you do? Uh, please don't think that, you know, we're going to pass buckets around next week, nothing like that. We'll get through Christmas. But, but come next year, once we get this DA approved, there's going to have to be some, some hands being put to the plough and we're going to have to do some stuff to make this happen. Now, here's the thing. I'm full of faith for this because God hasn't got us this far to let us fall off the edge. Amen? God hasn't brought us to this place and they're going to take his hands off and dump us. God's not going to do that. But this all has come about because we took that first initial step. Okay? And we've got to continue to take those steps and continue as individuals and as a church, as a body, to take steps in the direction that God wants us to take. And as we continue to take those steps, I believe that God will continue to pour out and to show us the resource and to give us the finance and to give us the manpower and to give us the opportunity and to give us the position and to give us all the things that we need to achieve not what we want to do, but whatever was in his mind years and years and years and years and years ago when he started pulling buildings up and people and patches. It's an amazing thought that we're just this tiny little part of a bigger picture of God that will go well beyond us. But let's be a generation of people, let's be a church that play our role at this stage at such a time as right now while we're here. Let's do what we can to set this thing up and get it going in the right direction. Amen? Father, we want to thank you, Lord. Um, thank you, God, with great, great humility. Uh, Lord, that you would even consider uh, us who meet in a little gym, Ganelabar, God, that uh, as far as imperfect as what we are, we've all got our problems, our issues, our mistakes, God. We've got stuff that we battle with, that we're dealing with, God, things that we, we struggle to overcome, imperfections, and none of them are hidden from you, Lord, yet you still decided that you wanted to include us in this process and include us in this journey. Father, we're no better than any other church. We're no better than any other group of people, but you just have a plan that's different for us as you do for each other group as well, Lord. And God, you've allowed us to be a part of it, and we want to thank you uh, for that, Father. And God, I just pray for us, Lord, as we take communion together this morning. God, I pray for a, a, a new sense of awe about who you are, 
that, God, you would do something like this. And, Father, those moments where we second-guess and we struggle and we battle and we wonder, do you even hear us? Do you listen to us? God, those moments where we go, am I following you or is this just a, a wild dream? Am I just trying to make things happen? God, all those times, yet, Father, you're there in the midst of us speaking and leading and guiding the creator of the universe who is continuing to create and continuing to use us and partnering with us, God. We thank you for that, Father. And Lord, I pray as these next weeks go on for each of us, Lord, that we would, God, come before you and we would ask you, God, with, with an open heart, what is our role to play in this process? Lord, what, what is it that you've got us here for, Father? None of us are here as spectators. God, none of us are just here to watch this process unfold. God, we're here for a purpose and we're here for a reason, Father. We just pray that you'd speak to the hearts of each person in this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's eat and drink. And we don't have to do it with a somber mode. We can do it with a bit of a clap and a bit of a cheer and a bit of a thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing because it's pretty wild and it's pretty amazing to be a part of it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to finish up. That's church today. Before we do, I would just like to give God a hand this morning. Because things like that don't just happen. You can. I can contact them this week. Uh, they emailed me yesterday and said, when you want the key, let us know. So um, it'll be easier to get a key off them because when he told me where it was, I was afraid I'd electrocute myself. Just move the green wire, push the left wire that way and, and you should be fine. But um, yeah, we can do that. I'll contact them this week. we get the key. So anybody that's interested next week, maybe after church, we can shoot on up there, open up the doors. We can go on in, uh, have a bit of a look and, and have a bit of a prayer as well. Might be good too. Yep. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for coming. And uh, have a great, fantastic week. And if it tops this week, fantastic. Catch you next week.